you're actually my like not only only but you're like definitely the like most proud gemini oh good I'm still friends with. i wanted to make a meme when this was all happening like, this is not the future consumers want <laughs> i used to have like my ex friends ex roommates uncles netflix but i it changed there's bad blood like that's the end of the relationship when the netflix password stopped working oh my gosh hello hi we are live today in person so exciting yeah like for most of you who don't know who might not is i live in new york tamer lives in la so we're usually recording this like remotely yeah usually like at weird times like 10 o'clock <laughs> at night or like seven in the morning for tamer <laughs> But we're like here IRL, like in fabulous LA in yeah. West Hollywood. And that's just what happens when you have that fun side hustle. You end up doing things at weird times on Zoom. But I'm excited, so excited that we're here together. Yes, it's a blessing. So welcome back to No But Actually, your favorite content podcast with me, Tamer, and she, Sasha. Sasha. <laughs> We are so excited to have you here. We talk about all things content. Um, and so hopefully you love it, or at least you love listening to us talk about it. We are kind of funny, we think. Mm. And <laughs> insightful, for sure. So insightful. Um, and before we get into it, we have some fun facts. My birthday is actually tomorrow. A- when you watch this, my, my birthday will have passed, but... Gemini, baby. Gemini in the house. Gemini queen. And we also have... A Taurus. Oops. A Taurus. It was just my birthday around the corner. So we're vibing. I, you're actually my, like, not only only, but you're, like, definitely the, like, most proud Gemini. Oh, that good. I'm still friends with. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a Taurus thing to say. Yeah, I swear about the end there. <laughs> yeah. But I'm loyal to you. That's so Taurus of me. So Taurus of you. Do you know your moon sign and your rising sign? Yes. I'm, um, it's kind of like hardcore. So I am a Taurus regular. I don't know which <laughs> one's which. Fine. So I'm like, Taurus is my sign. I am Scorpio <laughs> plus Sagittarius. Oh, I know. You're talking about me being a Gemini, bitch. You, I know. That's a I'm lot. Like a lot. That's all a lot. in one person. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it really, once I heard that, I was like, okay, it makes sense. <laughs> This makes sense. Yeah. Wait, what are yours? Equally interesting. I am sun in Gemini, moon in Leo. Okay. Rising. That makes sense. You're a lion tamer. (gasps) You've got double Gemini. Double Gemini, baby. Maybe that cancels out the negative parts of Gemini. I think maybe it's because I'm a twin. Yeah. You're so, yeah. It's nuts. You're a twin and a Gemini. It's like, I just have one face. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're the other part's got like supplanted. Wow. Yeah. Um, Actually, we should do like a whole episode. I yeah. Think, on the one rise of my, of my, like, one of my next ones for ideas is the rise of, um, astrological content because there's a lot. We got co star, we have the pattern. Also yeah. in LA, it's just normal to talk about this in general. So and every like Instagram post is like the signs as blah blah blah. I know they're so funny. And oftentimes, I feel like they're really good like engagement baiting because people will be like, "Oh my god, I'm so that," or like, "I'm not that." <laughs> I yeah. Know. Either way, you want to respond. Yeah, you're like yeah. People are just want to play personality bingo, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all your other like signs are for. So you can have all of the mm, Yeah, to be like, I'm unique way. Yeah. Yeah. Um wow. okay. well th- there you know, you know about that's Tamer and me. And just to give you a little bit about the podcast. <laughs> also that. This is very important. Um, so we're going to talk about the news, like what's going on, just like a quick recap of what's been happening in the media and content world. Then we do a little roundup, of course, of like what we have been watching, what we recommend, what we tell you to avoid. That's called Say <laughs> What You Stream. And then we're going to do a deep dive. This week's deep dive is going to be no, but actually social media activism actually working. So stay tuned for a little bit of this and that. We're going to kick it off with Tamer. Tell us what's been going on. What's the news? The news in content is all about mergers, okay? We just came from a situation where everyone and their mom was creating a streaming platform. There, Everything was disintermediated, meaning like you could just go to lots of different platforms and get all this different stuff, and you ended up having to pay a lot. So I think on average... Uh, millennials have like three to four subscription services that they're paying for. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And 
we have more because we're yeah. crazy yeah. Um, and love all the content. And so what's happening now is there's a consolidation and <laughs> companies are like, this is ridiculous. Like literally like bitches are not going to have 10 subscriptions. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I wanted to like make a basically like Netflix was blowing up. All of these networks were like, we want a piece of the pie. <laughs> we're going to make Disney Plus. We're going to make Warner, whatever, HBO Peacock. Max. Peacock, the Pluto. famed Peacock, Discovery Plus. I'm sorry, like your brand equity is not that strong. <laughs> sorry, but like they were basically, we're gonna do our own, and now we're merging back. Like I'm sorry, this is predictable. It's cable. It's I, cable. In three years, there's gonna be a bundle service. Like we move, we separated. We're gonna go exactly back. I wanted to make a meme when this was all happening. Like this is not the future consumers want. Like no <laughs> consumer a thinks about it as like, oh, I love Disney content. Like maybe people used to think like I love an ABC Sunday night. Right? <laughs> I love ABC's like primetime lineup. But like that's not, not what consumers have. Like tell me what streaming services you have. Okay, I have Netflix. Me. Hulu. Same. I well, I have the Disney bundle, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is Disney, ESPN, and Hulu. Yeah. I have YouTube TV. I have my dad's YouTube TV. Well, of course. Um, Because that is expensive. Uh, It's like 65 bucks a month. What? Yeah, because it's just cable. It's cable on your TV. So rather than me getting getting, like Comcast, I have YouTube TV. Um, Which has live sports. I don't have the version. I actually use my friend's YouTube TV too. I have Discovery Plus. Love. I have HBO Max. I okay. have Spotify, Spotify. I have the information, which is like a news subscription. Oh, yeah. Which has really cool, good inside looks at news. I have Wall Street Journal. Yeah. I have the New York Times. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a lot. I think yeah. I'm missing no, okay. some also. I have actually, well, there's a good deal. Actually, I'll send you coupon <laughs> <laughs> because I just subscribed to like New Yorker and I resubscribed to Vanity Fair. I have GQ new york magazine which is not the same as new yorker it's very good though. <laughs> but i could do like also yes like i forgot i have magazines there there's a jillion magazines oh behind my you. god yes yeah. and vogue obviously oh i don't have vogue oh i'm shocked i know i think it's because i just get so much fashion content otherwise Fair. um and i prefer my fashion to be video and i prefer <laughs> like magazines for articles and then i have wall street journal new york times and then Amazon I like my mom's Amazon Prime I have my own my aunt's Netflix I used to have like my ex-friends ex-roommates uncles Netflix but I it changed there's bad blood like that's the end of the relationship when the Netflix password stopped working that is yeah yeah classic yeah like but HBO Max like all of these like it's insane like it's silly yeah and so people I mean not that not as many people have all of the ones that we have, but like just think about all of the subscriptions that you pay for. It ends up, I think, costing us more than what a cape one cable subscription would cost. And also like there's just not enough people in yeah. the world to make the economics work for each company that's doing yeah. that. So these companies have decided to merge, consolidate. It's partly the subscription thing that we talked about, but it's also partly that um, because each platform is on its own, they only have like their type of content to offer, but maybe want to like get people who are interested in something else, but they don't have that IP. Exactly. So let's take, for example, what actually happened. We've just talked about our subscriptions. What are the mergers? Amazon bought MGM. So Amazon prime, which you get your groceries and your free <laughs> delivery from your batteries, also, your, your batteries, whatever. You can also, um, of course, get Amazon Prime TV. Is that even what it's called? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> Amazon Prime Video. Like too many, too many words. But they bought MGM, and MGM owns James Bond. And the the thinking was that Amazon wanted to have or, you know, to think my thinking and thinking in the articles, I don't know what they were actually thinking, is that Amazon wanted to have the James Bond IP and, like, get mm-hmm. people to come to their service mm-hmm. who already were familiar with something, um, which I think is super interesting because people already have Amazon Prime just generally. Like, a lot of people have it. Mm-hmm. So are, you, are people going to sign up for Amazon Prime because they want to watch James Bond? Like, I don't know. But that's the bet. So they paid a lot of money for that. So that's right. That's their goal. Right. Well, you know about this, I guess, is like these individual titles like move subscriptions. Like they say Bird Box, the movie, was like responsible for like like thirty 
million or something like new views or so like including people who didn't subscribe so i guess that's their bet and that's smart for mgm because like, they're not like disney where like someone's gonna sign up for like a disney subscription like mgm yeah. doesn't have that brand recognition so they're just like take us Take us Netflix. <laughs> Take us. Well, not, no, Amazon. No, Amazon. Yeah, God. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Um, and then the other big one that happened was the Discovery Warner consolidation, which have you, their, their name is now Warner Bros. Discovery, which is the lamest merger name. AT&T announces $43 billion deal to merge Warner Media with Discovery. So AT&T owned Warner. A- and AT&T is not a media I mean it's it's a telecom company but it's not like a media company so what I've heard from people who worked at Warner was when AT&T bought it like the culture completely changed like it stopped being like as media focused and like super corporate like old rules type of stuff and so AT&T basically was like okay this is this is not working HBO Max was a dud when it when it came out even though it has all of these like amazing movies and like potentially like really great highbrow shows that people would want to watch and they I mean they have Warner owns a bunch of other stuff so AT&T actually I guess structured the deal because Warner is under AT&T and then um I guess bought like Discovery for 43 billion dollars I think was the the number but the just even though Discovery was the one that was bought the Discovery CEO is the one who's going to be yeah, in charge the of leadership the is, leadership yeah and I do think it's what you said. It's like that mix of hi- of highbrow scripted content. Like think of the think of the HBO content that you watch. Um, it's good and like high level. Plus like the crazy library of unscripted content that uh, Discovery, Discovery Plus, Plus has. has, or Discovery Discovery in general. <laughs> um, think <laughs> of all those period. ninety day fiance shows. Oh my god! Think about um, Fixer Upper. Yeah, they now have their own network. Magnolia, oh my Chip God. and Joanna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not talking about an empire, a media <laughs> empire. They have merch. They have like product. Lines. Yeah, they have a. Lot. They're doing a lot. Oh my God. Okay, I'm well, proud of them. It's crazy. Well, I so, guess it remains to be seen. We're taking bets now. Like I definitely think in three years there's going to be a service that's just like, oh, get your Disney, your ABC, <laughs> your Netflix all in one place, and it's going to be like cable but on the internet. Yeah, I think that's definitely what we're moving toward. And even though it's not necessarily what the consumer wants, like once again, the consumer isn't going to have that much agency over what actually happens with the consolidations. And like, we're just going to end up having to pay. Yeah, like X, I always always shit on McKenzie consultants. And it's like X, McKenzie, BCG, Bain, people who work at Disney are like really like controlling and destroying our lives by being like, we should separate. We should We love shitting on consultants here. Sorry, but that's just how it is. I know this was like a consultant's bad idea. Like like the LAX Uber. Oh my God, LAX Uber. Don't even get me started. I'm so happy to be in LA. So sad I had to go through LAX experience. Dead. Um, All right, that's it for the news. Now on to say what you stream. What have you been watching, Sasha? Okay, so like I cannot stop being obsessed with... Way. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. The girl, the yes. show, the everything. And it's funny because I've never actually watched a full episode of it because I'm actually not really sure how to watch Showtime. That's the <laughs> other real problem with all these places distinguishing is like, I'm like, I, am I going to go through all of Netflix library, then all of Disney library, etc.? Okay, anyway, we're done. But Z-Way is so good. It's on Showtime, but I, you can watch um, clips on like Instagram. You yeah. can go to YouTube and watch these clips. It's so fucking good. Start with the like Z way, like goes to a plastic surgeon. I like, she's like, okay, so the premise is like, so Z way is like this um, comedian. She she got like a ton of like internet fame from Twitter because she's hilarious, especially I feel like during like last year, she was just like making hilarious clapbacks and like pointing out like funny racism (laughs) or just pointing out racism, which is not funny, but in a funny way. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like doubled uh, over with laughter. But, um, but yes. <laughs> yes. And she were I didn't realize that she was a writer for Jesus and Mara, yes, which yes. actually makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. She basically brings on like notable guests and makes them feel uncomfortable, but it's like really funny and it's like all in good fun. Or she'll do like the, the kind of bit of like going and interacting with like normal people, but like it's kind of a joke on them, which typically it's I like don't, a little like Borat, but like, yes, I think less. she's like millennial femme mm-hmm. Borat. And I usually don't like that kind of com- 
humor. Like I'm not really into Borat that much. I don't really like um, the Eric Andre show okay. where it's like can be really. I just think she does it with such flair. I'm obsessed. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Okay, wait. Explain the plastic surgery. Okay, so bit, the though. plastic surgery thing, she like goes to this plastic surgeon and she she acknowledges to, they clearly shot this like during the pandemic. Like, you know, the pandemic has closed businesses. People can't live their lives, but like people are still able to get like elective cosmetic <laughs> surgery. And she goes in and she's like asking the guy like, oh, like how should, like what should I do, for example? And of course, like there's kind of like the awkward tiptoeing because he's like, we can change your nose and like make him and she's like what's wrong with my nose kind of thing and like um no he goes does your nose bother you she goes does it bother you does it bother you (laughs) he's like does it bother you and she's like does it bother you it's It's so so good it's so good yeah and the whole concept of like changing yourself to meet to meet a standard of beauty like in itself is like shaped by of so many things no pun intended shaped carved fillered <laughs> etc you gotta watch like it's so good then like the algorithm will probably suggest for you the phoebe bridgers one so good or like so the bowen yang patty phoebe Harrison. Killed it. yeah you gotta watch it and it's nice because it's like the guests feel awkward they're either really in on the joke or they feel awkward but you f- it doesn't feel as mean i think as a lot of those yeah. shows can feel I agree. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel mean. And she's asking like questions in good fun. Like when Andrew Yang came on, who is a mayoral <laughs> candidate for New York city. Uh, she, I think she like tweeted him if he would come on. And he was like, yeah. And she, uh, I think he says that he really likes Jay-Z or something. <laughs> and she's like, what's your favorite Jay-Z song? And it's really hard for him to come he up with goes, one. What is my favorite Jay Z? Which I will say, like, is every person's nightmare is that they'll try to be cool <laughs> and say they that. like something, and then like immediately <laughs> like can't think of anything. But like, yeah, it just it feels like so like it's that buffering TikTok. Have you seen that trend? No. Where it's like it's a TikTok where you pretend like you're in a situation, and then something happens that makes you be like. Fuck. fuck and then yeah. it's like the buffering yeah <laughs> like, that's it, literally like happening real time Andrew Yang like, right now yeah it was like that oh my god but there was this time like speaking of like politicians like trying to like bait the cultures like <laughs> when hillary clinton went on i think it was on like the breakfast club it was she was like on some morning talk show host and someone asked her like oh like what's in your bag or something and she literally goes like i keep hot sauce in my bag and she like takes hot sauce out of the bag tamir your face i know <laughs> are you fucking Hillary kidding Clinton. me yeah what? also like now that i'm thinking about it it's like so many bad moments happen <laughs> when like i'm screaming electoral candidates like <laughs> joe biden saying that if you don't vote for him you're not black like stop doing radio shows basically didn't i feel like didn't hillary did she do the nay nay at some point yes on ellen yeah that was when it was dead like that was like, <laughs> when the nay was dead or perhaps her chances wow well, i forgot about the hot sauce i'm upset yeah i'm gonna send it to you it's so cringe and the the face of the woman who asked it who's just like she's just like so tired of it like she's just clearly so tired of it and she's like i'm being used as like a pr platform for this woman that's absurd yeah so (laughs) i've been watching z-way clips it's so good okay the other thing i wanted to say about z-way and i always have to claim this is that you know she didn't go to my high school but she went to my rival high school so i feel like an affinity (gasps) oh yeah and um i have a lot of friends who like went to high school with her and like totally remember her and i think something that's really important to say is like Z-Way is blowing up. She's on She's on the cover of, like, all these magazines. She looks yeah. fucking bomb, and it's amazing. People remember her in high school as being, like, a funny person. Like, <gasps> a little bit awkward, but a little bit funny. And basically, she's been honing her craft yeah. for 15 years. And so... I just think it's really cool to see someone blow up, but then to hear a little bit more about like the background of them, Mm -hmm. how they got there, the fact that they've been working on it for actually like a really long time. Like she was actually a writer, for example. I was so happy to hear that because of course, like I had a pang of jealousy because I was like, (laughs) oh my God, Tasha, like, why don't you tweet? Like, then maybe you'll have a Showtime show. (laughs) Cause it looks like her, when you watch her show, you're like, oh my God, you're having so much fun. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like all pink and girly and she's hilarious. It's A24 produced it. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my, I'm happy there in the TV Mm -hmm. game. Yeah. But so like when I was watching, I was just like, oh, but then it's nice to hear like, oh, you were actually a writer and you were like 
working on it so it's not just like this came from nothing yeah and the part of the reason i said that is because like yeah you've like that pang of like oh shit what am i doing with my life yeah but it's like wait no like we're all working towards something and like success doesn't happen overnight even though it seems like it, it did like that but like it totally didn't so just we fuck with z-way yeah everyone should go watch her show sign up for showtime question mark and or watch the youtube clips yeah At we didn't sign up for showtime clips. so like okay. get your free your free drip content pump those numbers help some marketing intern out there look really good <laughs> and get her another season <laughs> yes seriously let's get her another season yeah i'll like watch all i'll watch all the cribs clips and then i'll just like put it up like on background so there's they're known they're getting views too that's really what i've been occupying occupying my mind the one other thing i'll mention is i saw this movie which was like the new strategy i guess which is to put your movie in theaters and then put it on like streaming which was army of the dead which is a really good like zombie movie with like um like i think it's directed by Zack snyder but the most interesting thing about it is tignataro who's like a dry um style like comedian comedian she's a woman <laughs> she's like a 50 year old like lesbian comedian woman is like in this movie and it actually turns out i was like this is so random casting but it's perfect i read this article they actually filmed the entire movie with chris delia but then when he was like accused of all of these sexual assault allegations the director was like we can't have him in the movie so they literally filmed all of the scenes with her alone on a green screen set and then superimposed her into the movie instead of chris instead of chris so like all the time yeah this is crazy right like this is the future of movie making too and also probably contingency clauses for cancellation or potential like death or illness yeah i watched a whole movie that had like person who wasn't actually even in it (laughs) they weren't even in the (laughs) but it looked like you couldn't tell i had no idea it was so good um and actually i read this interview and tig said that like filming on her own like had it go to her head because she was the only one on set she started to feel like oh i'm the star of this movie <laughs> and, like actually she was like blurred out a little bit like just superimposed <laughs> so check it out if you like zombie movies That's and you cool. want to like kind of see like us getting closer to the singularity like watch army of the dead on netflix <laughs> Tamer, what about you? What are you watching? Say what you stream. Okay. Uh, yeah, obviously I stand Z-Way as well. Um, I also have just been obsessed with Billie Eilish lately. Like we talked about her a little bit because she had that Vogue shoot yeah. and she came out as like this sexy woman after reclaiming really like her reclaiming her sexuality. energy and body and sexuality after I think putting it on the back burner because she didn't want to be sexualized. And she was like, I am woman now, like come through. (laughs) And I was here for that energy. Um, And she just dropped the song lost cause and the video. That video gave me Beyonce seven 11. I said this meets. uh, Justin Bieber. Sorry with all the people in the back. Meets skims, but they were wearing skims actually. Yes. Um, And so it was just really cool to see one Billie Eilish was actually she danced before she was a a singer um but she like something happened I think she got injured I don't remember exactly I think it's in the documentary and so she's like stopped really dancing as much but she can actually dance yeah because I was kind of shook I hadn't I but I didn't know that yeah again thematically work towards your dreams right (laughs) for like for everything you did when you were 12 is for you now yes (laughs) I just feel like Billie is in her element and she is having like diversity around her without seeming like she's pandering because she's always had diversity around her um in every place I've seen her at least and um I'm just I'm here for her she seems very genuine yeah like, I'm, I'm I agree I would say I had not been the biggest Billy stan I'm like I like her but I'm not obsessed in the words of me <laughs> I I'm obsessed, but I don't stand. Okay, so, okay, okay. There's there are levels to this. Yeah, but I I do think like she's doing a good job. When I saw that video, I was like, this is so Beyonce, like Seven mm-hmm. Eleven, but a little like gapified, you know? Seven yeah. I mean? <laughs> Eleven, like that was a reset. Like she, you felt like this is a new way to do music videos. Yeah, this one was very good, but 
yeah yeah and i don't skims. think this was like i was like god this is powerful marketing because now i like want to just be be with a bunch of friends wearing skims i know i was like should i buy this right now I know. <laughs> but i didn't i refrained but i was tempted uh but i just i love that she just looked like she was having a great time and like we love it. We're, I mean, we, look, we love Olivia Rodrigo. We love Tate McRae. Like, listen, all these, I was going to call them teeny boppers. That's not fair. They're teen pop stars. But sometimes you need a little sultry in your pop music. Yeah. And Billy is giving me that. Yeah. And But not like, I, I hate myself. Like, I hate you. Lost cause. Yes. And I'm like, Fuck yes. Fuck you. Which is kind of like, you know, it's kind of Kesha vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. These women will not be silenced. And then um, the other thing I have been thinking about is The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, which is very different. Po- <laughs> is that poetry? It is. It's not exactly a poem, but it's a it's a book where about this prophet who is leaving the town that he's been like prophesizing in for the past, I don't know, few decades. And on the last day, the people of the town ask him questions about like basically to remember um what he was there for and so the whole book is him giving answers to the questions and it's not exactly poetry but it's like very beautiful prose and it's questions on like it's like tell us about sorrow and joy tell us about work tell us about religion and um I picked it up like at a used bookstore just because I had heard of it so much and it honestly was such a beautiful read and I have you guys you can see if you're on video like this whiteboard thing that's behind me and I have thoughts of the week that I always put like quotes that I've read or like things that I love things that I just heard that I want to think about and they're just Khalil Gibran all all this week my favorite one is work is love made visible and the people are asking him like what is work and he's talking about how if you love what you're doing your work ends up being so much better and so what I took from it was like even if you don't love your job job like what is something about it that you do love that you can tap into and that will make your desire to do it so much better because you're doing it like out of love Mm. and that's just what I've been thinking about this week among other I have like three quotes up there that are from him it was so beautiful and like just a I think a a respite from the sort of like rat race type of content that Mm -hmm. I usually read and or listen to or watch so shout out Khalil Gibran a studying influence I yeah. love it we, let's incorporate more of that in our <laughs> lives right yes and I'm like oh, I really like this zombie movie <laughs> <laughs> listen there's room for all content yes, we are an eclectic yes. taste we multifaceted okay yes okay so speaking of range we're going to go from everything we just talked about to talking about social media activism. Yeah. So super curious. This is like a, an interesting topic. And I was like, even the, basically I want to do a, do a deep dive on this whole topic of social activism. And I wish I had a more clickbaity title for you because I'm not really that interested. I am a little interested in like, is it working quote unquote of like, is it affecting change? But I'm more interested in like, why are we doing it this way? And like, how is it being um, used? What are the impacts, et cetera? So like really like a true, like whole body deep dive. Like I don't necessarily have like a hypothesis. Okay, I wanted to also start with like a preface too, that like, I'm not just talking about technology or like disseminating information via the internet or even talking about like, social activists who are like professionals like whether they are like scholars or they work at like nonprofits or etc using social but like normal people everyday use and me's um like becoming more vocal about their politics and obviously we believe the personal is political uh, but that's kind of like the parameters at which i'm talking okay and i also feel like it wouldn't be fair to have this conversation if i didn't kind of like say what my own politics are because I feel like you know everyone has bias everyone has their own perspective and the reason why is there a specific movement that you're yes okay Okay, so actually I thought I was going to talk a lot about the Israeli-Palestinian movement and I think that this is an interesting topic going around, which I felt like actually wasn't that controversial. Was it not that controversial? I thought like using social media to talk about like the Black Lives Matter movement was like, 
Yeah. Like maybe I think people were doing it in quote unquote the wrong way. People were, some people were doing it in better ways, but I was like, yeah, we should. But then I think what really piqued my interest was like the Israeli Palestinian movement that just happened like a couple weeks ago because it felt very overnight with and it felt like people who had never heard talk about a topic who were not directly impacted by it, which I think is like a controversial statement in itself, immediately had very strong opinions. And mm. what I noticed a lot there was not just having opinions on it, which I think is like good form, form of perspective, inform yourself. But I think people were like all very quick to police the way in which you could be active on social media. That like with Black Lives Matter was like, read these books, know about what's going on. Here's facts. And with like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, it was very, um, if you're not talking about this, you're doing it wrong. Like if you're using the term conflict, you're siding with the oppressor. Like um, if you're reading the New York Times, like you're totally fucked up in your opinion on mm. things. So it felt like it was like immediately kind of like a meta conversation, like a meta activist movement itself. So that's kind of what spurned me. What do you think? That's a super interesting take, and I I haven't thought about it like that, but I think I understand what you're saying. And maybe this is also, like, we have the same, like, very, I would say, liberal, like, progressive yeah. circle of friends. And what was interesting was, like, for Black Lives Matter, there was no one on my timeline who was like, what, BLM what? Like, yeah. that doesn't matter to me, or all <laughs> lives matter, bitches. Like, no one yeah. said that that I knew, whereas for the Israeli-Palestine um situation people who i love who are also progressive had very different takes on what yeah. was correct um and i think that there was like less there was more of a narrow path for what was correct for blm yeah. than there was for israel palestine just because different people had like very different ideas even if they were on other situations or conflicts like actually on the same side yeah and I, I, yes. And I also think, and we left, we're basically getting into it. We're segueing. But I think, I feel like one of the distinct things is like with BLM, it's like, this is happening to everyone in America, at least like, this is going to be a very America centric conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about like how Palestinian and Israeli activists should like move through social media, but more so like, um, yes. from an American perspective, we're American. We're thinking about America. You could not exist in America and not feel the influence or perpetuate I think systems of oppression like our country is like built on that so I think it made sense for like literally everyone to be learning about it and taking perspective on it and a lot of the content I was consuming that was being disseminated by people of color or not were from scholarly people people of color people talking about their own experiences and what I perceived on this Israeli Palestinian mm -hmm. movement was very much people who were doing quote-unquote research creating materials that were then disseminated by other people and i was like i need to know what your primary source is <laughs> like, <laughs> like how are you forming this opinion you know and I am very a very yes. strong opinions yes. like yes like internet scholars which i don't know about so yeah let's dig into it I, I let's, talk, let's go we're gonna get there i want to talk about like this whole broad thing so i a couple of sources i just want to drop are like vox how social justice slideshows took over instagram new yorker the second act of social media activism washington post did an article about how social ai is treating palestinians like um blm protesters which is mm. just to, to block like, and silence yeah. them yeah so when I like take a step back for a second, talk about like the history of social media activism. So what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like if you think about like social media activism and don't say Coney 2012. <laughs> <Do you> remember <laughs> that? <laughs> Probably like some environmentalism. Okay. Like the like, Greta age of Greta. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Well actually, so age of Greta. Yes. Like, a small young woman from Sweden becoming very popularized for taking aim. It was actually before that, and uh, some non-ironically also in the Middle East, the Arab Spring. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, 
Arab Spring 2010 to like 2012 about was this series of anti-government protests and uprising and even armed rebellions um, that spread across a lot of the Arab world, um, which was actually originally in response to oppressive regimes and just poor standard of living in Tunisia. And then it spread. Um, And I I think of it a lot as like a very much Twitter movement um, where people were kind of they were organizing demonstrations, like literally meetups, like events. Here's to meet when and where. Here's what we're doing. Um, give information about what was going on um, and just like raise awareness, which awareness in itself is like a theme that we'll come back mm. to. Um, but it was also used by the governments as well. So people who were pro and anti-government and eventually the governments also used the technology to monitor traffic and monitor movement and then eventually blocked internet access and in the case of Egypt, cut off access to the internet entirely to just silence attempts. Yeah. Um, so people really consider like the role of social media and the Arab Spring to be like a huge revolution and kind of like the jump start. Um, but this was one thing I found interesting is that actually some people contest the role of social media. So there were studies and the researchers found that uprising occurred in states regardless of their levels of internet usage. So some states had high levels of internet usage, like Beiran had 88% of its population online. Um, but there were like just as much uprisings in states with low levels of internet usage, like Yemen and Libya. So is it basically saying that like you don't need the internet to protest? It's basically saying like whether or not you use the internet, like people are going to rise mm-hmm. up at least. And so this is from 2010, 11 years ago. A criticism is that it makes people lazy and they're not going to uprise because they feel like they're doing enough. And then one of the pros is like because of social media, they realize they need to uprise. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, maybe neither of those are true. Like maybe like the, as a result of social media or not, like people are rising up. So when we, that's why I'm like, I'm not necessarily concerned as much with the efficacy of this, like is change enacted as a result of like awareness. It seems like a little, yes. Like, I don't know if Biden would have been like, we need to have a ceasefire if like the Amer the broader American Mm. public didn't care as much, but I find it fascinating. Yeah. But I mean, it's true. It's potentially like the information is disseminated more quickly or to your point to more people who potentially like would care in the the awareness example that you just brought up for like Americans really caring. And so Biden actually having to do something about it. But mm-hmm. like people who feel oppressed and like potentially have the ability to talk to each other in whatever way are going to figure out a way to rise up. I mean, American slaves like, yeah, yeah. figured that shit out and there was yeah. no there was no internet true very true they coordinated yeah but, but that's true across time and history yes, right yes but maybe it's happening faster maybe yeah. it's happening more efficiently and yeah. with potentially less death um so that's kind of like the very origin point like zoom forward though I want us to think about also like just the internet in general and like the algorithmic potential for um brain draining essentially so like that was 2010 2012 then in 2016 we famously have the cambridge analytica which i don't think people would necessarily think of as a social media activism movement but essentially what happened i'm loving this timeline okay right okay so if you didn't actually know what happened with cambridge analytica because i feel like it's very like oh like Facebook manipulated their election results. Like, what does that actually mean? Basically, what happened was um, Cambridge Analytica was this firm. They created this app that harvested data from up to 87 million Facebook profiles, which like literally if that I don't know if they're all American, that's like almost like a third of America, like over over a third of the voting population. Um, And then the data was used by Ted Cruz, which I didn't know, (laughs) Trump, and also to like influence the outcome of like Brexit. Um, And basically what they did was they used this data to create psychological profiles, i.e. like people who would like potentially be voters, um, who could be swayed, et cetera, to identify not only like who they should target, but what kind of information would sway these people. And then as a result, like those campaigns um, put out ads, information, et cetera, that would like mobilize them, which I think like, you know, swaying an election is about as activist as you can get. So it's not just like grassroots people being like, hey, here's like a list of books by black authors you should read. <laughs> it's like firms. But I think, the, so the issue with that was not that uh, people's like identities were understood and like what they wanted 
to have said to them was said because politicians do that all the time. The issue with that was it came from like this big firm that was selling that data. So it felt like really icky and um, like a profitable thing for someone versus like, I actually care about this group of people and I want to say something to them that will cause them to act. Right. And also it's not like, oh, tell me about my constituents so I can form policies that will appeal to them. It was like, tell me what, do they respond to images or infographics? Do they like it when we curse or not? And I feel like that is like, oh, it's a bit weird. And also, of course, people don't like to feel like their like essence can be commodified. It's literally called psychological profiling when you mark it this way. So, but I guess what I'm saying is like people do that all the time, all the time. Yeah. Like w- even without the internet, like people wanted to get, get that information with the internet. It's easier to do that across a vast swath of people. Yeah. And to have that be profitable, I think is where the ethical like dilemma comes, but not just from like understanding whether people want you to give them an infographic well, or yes, a speech. But I don't think it's like just that though, because I feel like, yes, like what would you have done if you didn't have the internet too? You'd have like a focus group or conversations. Yeah. And I feel it's a little bit more, um, not just like less icky, but, or like maybe the reason why it's less icky is like, if you have a conversation with someone, you're not just like getting stuff from them. Like they're also learning about you. They're forming an opinion. You also have to get to know like them versus just like, okay, here's what's going to move the needle. Mm -hmm. I guess it's like making it so impersonal, but at the same time going so personal, like making the deeply personal Mm -hmm. zeros and ones like, and to, it's about like getting to, to something. achieve an end. Yeah. yeah. Versus Not like to I care about yourself. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think we all kind of agree. Like what, what happened with Cambridge Hill? No, that was the best. Was I up. want to be clear. That yeah. was the best. That was yeah. the best. <laughs> but why does it feel so fudged up? And like, what, like, why do we feel like it's, and we, we, I think that's important. Why I have this on the timeline is like, we need to remember that all of social media of activism is still operating within the same systems and structures that allow yeah. for, and actually enable, not just allow, like that wouldn't have been possible without these. And we think that, you know, when we're putting out there, like perhaps subversive or like um, dissenting content that we're not at the same time operating within that, but we so are. We are. And to the point of, and that's why I, want, I actually forgot to like disclose my politics. So basically, yes, I'm liberal. I would actually say I'm like not a socialist, which is like a little cray, but I do believe, that- <laughs> I feel like it is. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to be skinned alive for saying I'm not a socialist, but I do believe in like a social safety net, but I also think capitalism has a lot of really good things about it, which I'm like, am I gonna lose friends for saying that it's like, <laughs> which is like this is part of social activism so is the shame mm-hmm. element um in the in-group out-group element but um so that's where kind of like I lie mm-hmm. on that spectrum and I generally think conversation informing yourself exposing yourself to new ideas and paradigms is good but that said like my entire network and I'm from Alabama like <laughs> is still extremely liberal yeah like i'm probably on the more conservative side of my network so like it's very echo chamber there's not a lot of diversity of thought there and it's weird because like i don't know if like if you zoomed out like we think we're exposing ourselves fully we're like breaking down borders but like actually like the algorithm is showing us stuff that we already respond to for sure for sure and i yeah i think i'm with you but actually i i do i have one friend who is a Trump supporter and I know and uh <laughs> I was like should I mute her stories but actually I really enjoy watching them because I'm like this is the only person who's giving me something who I actually like respect and like yeah who's we giving me something nuance. that is like the nuance that was like a hundred percent hardcore pro Israel that was like wow yeah it was, and I was like wow this is like literally the one person who's giving me something that's not even like nuanced in this category yeah. like which, let me... is, which is actually funny because like one person that we know a mutual connection like at the day like on november like 8th 20 or 16 like i lost this like person as a quote-unquote friend because i posted like 
I used to, when I was actually like on Facebook, I had more diversity of thought because I had like those friends who I was like friends with from like, <laughs> from, like high school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who like, <laughs> I was like, oh. um, which I think it's good. And I literally said, I was like, don't just unfriend people because they have different ideas. Like that makes you think that the world you live in is different. And that's how we got here. Mm-hmm. Like keep those people on your timelines. And this person commented on it and was like, no, like people need self care like they can start the revolution tomorrow so this person like commented we got into an internet fight and i finally was like you can unfollow me like you're welcome to unfollow <laughs> me if you find this and she did so it was like <laughs> it was like an example of like liberal infighting of like there's not a right or wrong way or like there is such a wrong way to do social media activism it's funny because like even when i was like oh we should like keep diversity of thought like that was like as accused of like no you're like yeah. forcing like suffering on people and i was like okay like you know do what you gotta do like mute people if you need to but i do think like if you got to see a picture of what the world really is like mm-hmm. then you got to keep those and it's also like it's hard it's hard to see but this it's not like this one person is the only person who thinks this there's 70 million other people who think this like yeah <laughs> and people were fucking shook at the results yeah. of the 2016 election as a result of like being extremely vocal on social media assuming that what they saw on social media was a reflection of the world and it wasn't so <laughs> ding point one for the like maybe it's not as good as we think it is boop um okay so then like fast forward to 2020 which i feel like and a lot of the articles that i read were all like actually from 2020 like there hasn't been a lot as much like updated like scholarship i guess on like the modern israeli palestinian social movement but like a lot of course on like the blm movement of last summer but I kind of have this like theory or metaphor as to like why and I think this is not unique a lot of people think this of like why then which a BLM is a movement that's seven years old like why it blew up even like to its to its full height Mm. last year um and I think that 2020 was like a facial so we had you know you start a facial it's a process um and so covid like the steam kind of stripped away a lot of the noise of daily life the good and the bad like work socializing the drama of who sat next to who at yoga and then we were like faced with like a perilous future of like what am i even doing with my life like what matters like am i just like a pencil pusher And then came the extractions, the highly (laughs) disturbing videos of black folks being murdered Mm. by cops. And so in our facial metaphor, like our pores were like already opened up by the steam and these precipitous videos were um, like really like a reckoning, a very painful reckoning of like what we need to do to kind of cleanse ourselves. That kind of sounds weird, but like, you know what I mean? Like cleanse our mores, not like, not like ethnic um so like combining that like lack of daily distractions with this like heightened sense of helplessness like americans were like really ready for Mm -hmm. a cause and i think like the people who are already in the know about systemic racism about oppression about history redlining etc aka like the majority of people of color and like a couple of other people were like this is a boiling point like i cannot take it anymore like people are dying from covid entire Mm. groups are being neglected as a result of covid individuals are dying we have the video of it like you know the we the we knew about it these people knew about it and then i describe it as the people who somehow made it to 2020 without realizing it needed a project (laughs) they're like i'm alone in my house i need something to do so what did people do they took to the internet and is Tell me, is this something that you, this is my experience anyway. Like, is that what it looked like for you? Like in 2020, people were on the web more than ever before. Yeah. And like they needed a cause to stand by or they were ready for a cause. I think people were like ready for a cause. Definitely in a way that hadn't been true before because like so much had happened before, but I think it was like unique mix of factors to your point. Not only was 2020 like the facial that we all needed. I loved that by the way, but also we had had pimples for years. They were becoming cystic. They were becoming just like, they were going to pop. And it was, it was going to happen either this year or next year. And it just so happened that the facial came this year. But I think what I mean by that is like all of the stuff that came to a head in 2020 had been happening on social media since 2010 or 2012 or like 2014 with uh ferguson right like that was 2014 so it was all all the ingredients were there 
Yes. For it to come to America head. was already not glowing. Yes. So the facial <laughs> was like not an elective procedure, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, it had been coming to a head. And like, so Ferguson, the creation of the Black Lives Matter movement, 2014, um, and it's so unfortunate. And this is one of the things people say is that like the things that make people change their mind is not just the information that people are dying, right. but like essentially snuff films of black men and women being murdered by cops in like the most obvious way yeah. even. And somehow that's even so controversial. But I thought this was really good from... Um, the New Yorker. Indeed, the struggle in the public square has unfolded alongside a takeover of the virtual one. Amid cell phone footage of protests and toppling statues, the internet has been further inundated with what we might call activist media. Screenshots of bail fund donations urging others to match continue to proliferate. Protest guides generated from years of on-the-ground activist experience are readily shared over Twitter and Instagram, telling readers how to blur faces in photographs or aid in de-arrests. There are email, phone call templates, pre-scripted and mass-circulated. Webinars about police abolition now constitute their own subgenre, and city council meetings, which had already migrated to Zoom because of the pandemic, have become the host to hallowed activist tradition of town hall agitation. So an adaptation of many of the things that had already been in place on the activism side, like guides for how to protest, meetups, resources, town halls, et cetera, just be kind of coming into the virtual world. Um, we all remember the famed LA town hall where the guy said, like, suck my dick. Fuck you. I yield my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was not cute, but people kind of like, couldn't move within their own spheres like physically as a result of covid and so they moved on this virtual one um which i do feel like there's a lot of good stuff so like now thinking about like what does it look like right now i think there's a lot of good things like um you know i've seen like lists of books movies articles etc people to follow just to have like a daily yeah. drip of perspective has been really formative for me like not even like activists but like i follow now a lot more black artists or black models because my feed was very white very thin which is its own separate conversation <laughs> but um just kind of like generally a, rem a good wake-up call to yeah. like adjust my consumption of media and like who my sources etc and then also like really tactical information like protests like where when etc guides yeah. for how to protest safely especially like in a pandemic um so i wanted to ask you like have you seen social media being used for good? I mean, I definitely think it's been used for good. I had a friend last year who I was incredibly close to, who came to protest with me, who I, this person was not black, but I knew that she cared a lot about me and about Black Lives Matter and being there for, for me and her other black friends. And she didn't post a single story on Instagram or like on any of her socials. And it actually really bothered me. And I was like, hey, like I actually, it would really mean a lot to me if you posted. And she was like, that's so silly. Like I'm doing this work with you. Like I think it's dumb to post things. Like She was like actually doing the work. She's like, I'm doing the work offline. No one needs to know about it online. Like, because people are just, people are saying that they're doing stuff and they're not. And mm -hmm. like, I hate that. And I was like, I understand where you're coming from completely, but it's actually really important to me that you signal that you care about this, not just for me, but so that other people in your circle who I know, like not everyone that you talk to is in this liberal, like educational campus with us. Like you might have friends from home who might feel differently, like who might have questions. You could be a person for them to ask those questions to. And it's important to me that like, as one of my best friends, you are showing up as an ally, not just for me, but like in the world. Right. Actually, for people probably, to know. Like for you, but like it's probably m more important. Like she can privately tell you and show you right. that she cares. She needs to activate her platform. Is she someone who normally posted often? She didn't post often, but she, it wasn't like she never posted, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and, and she, she did like she, and that meant so much to me because I knew, I knew that she was doing the work. So I wasn't like, you're racist if you don't do this. <laughs> right. But it just meant so much to me that she would like put herself in a position to like, do something that she felt a little bit uncomfortable with and to, in order to be an ally beyond just like our circle. Right. Um, and so virtual signaling I think is important and people, it gets a lot of flack because people are like, well, you're not actually doing anything. And, 
and obviously like there's a limit it can't be the only thing um because that's frustrating and i think people then see you as a liar and like that's not cool but to tell people like this is my stance i care about this issue is important i a hundred percent agree and it's weird that it's like controversial but like people the term virtue signaling has become very pejorative like you're just virtue signaling oh that's virtue signaling it's like we literally should signal our virtues. Yeah. Like we should take a public stance and also make, as a result, make it cool and accepted and expected to be against racism. Like, <laughs> LOL, like how hard is it? But yes, and I do think like a lot of my friends were like, Sasha, like, am I racist for like not posting? I would like go look at their thing and they posted a cupcake in 2017. I'm like, no, baby, you're good. Like <laughs> no one is like expecting you to like say something like this is not it. But like, use wherever you are your platform Mm -hmm. to it if you spend a lot of time with your family like fucking talk to your family like if you read a lot read a fucking book if you like me having to be like messy on the internet like (laughs) talk about stuff and i was hesitant for a long time and it's not because i wasn't aware of this like i've been interested in like critical race theory since i was in high school because i was a debater and a dork and i like studied my major in college was American studies with a focus on inequality. So it's like stuff oh, I'm like about thinking about. I know I'm like a nerd. And like, <laughs> it's funny because I literally like probably would have been an African-American studies major in college if I didn't feel like it was kind of like weird for that. Like I was like, oh, is that like commodifying mm. blackness to like be a scholar of it if I'm not black? So like, literally a lot of this conversation just go boils down to like is there a good is there a right way to be an ally or an activist not like taking like social media out of the question but yes but i had never before i think talked about it. i maybe have been like this is super fucked up but i wouldn't be like and i hate telling people what to do because i don't mm-hmm. like being told what to do i'm such a taurus <laughs> but like i finally i was just like you need to do this or like i'm doing this or that and i thought too like isn't it enough for me to like call the senators or like email my representatives like no like you have to if you use it i think you should say something right and it and it is helpful and like when last year for example i we like you you were part of this like i posted on my stories like i'm really trying to raise money like i have a company that will match donations to x and like ended up raising sixty thousand dollars yeah and like i don't think i could do that any day like obviously it was a part of the zeitgeist people were like chomping at the bit to give yeah, sorry, money just like pause right there tamer and i used social media to raise over sixty thousand yeah. dollars for various organizations including equal justice initiative which helps to educate people and change legislation mm-hmm. that like disproportionately affects black and brown people yeah. so like we use social media for literal good so like we can't sit here and just shed on it only, no and, like, but, and, yeah. and i don't think we would like that was honestly so incredible and it was like the power of our networks and like other and people sharing our posts with other people and like having um access to companies who could match donations which companies were really doing at that point and so that was incredible and so I would never sit here and say like it's bad to be a social media activist or like this isn't good content if you create it but I also understand people's hesitation like I think for the Israel Palestine situation i keep calling it a situation because i feel bad calling it a conflict because i, I saw so much stuff that was like it don't, call it, don't call it a conflict um but for all the things that are happening there i was like i don't actually know and from my american's perspective like i feel like a lot of what was happening on the web was like comp- was putting it in american box like these are the colonizers these are the oppressed and like if you are on the side of the colonizer, like you're basically like a white man who doesn't yeah. believe in racism in America. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I don't totally know what to do with that. Yes. Okay. So interesting. Cause I was going to, so the next thing I was going to say is like, what does it like, like really look like today? And I think, and one of the biggest things is infographics It's mm-hmm. kind of like the medium of choice, or like the format of choice, I guess, of like social media activism. And, a lot of that is because it's a way to get out information. You have, you can put it in visually appealing ways. You can put it in ways that aren't just words or text. You can, but a lot of people don't cite your resources, et cetera, and have like more of a conversation than just like, you know, what is it? 280 characters yeah. on Twitter. Um, but the thing that I find very interesting is that 
it's an observe that a lot of these kind of look the same. Like you see a lot of pastel colors, bold or quirky fonts, gradients, a very millennial aesthetic, which is reminiscent of millennial branding. Mm-hmm. It looks like Casper or Glossier or Buffy. And I'm a, like, I know. Ooh, my heart is palpitating. I what? <laughs> and someone, if, I, I would not the first person to think of this. Like if you took a lot of these infographics and swapped it out for like completely different information, like it would still look the same. Like the aesthetics is not related per se to the content. And I think there's a valid criticism there that like aestheticizing suffering or like aestheticizing mm-hmm. a movement to like make it palatable is also in, in itself like a product of our generation. I'm not going to say it's like necessarily problematic because people may not pay attention if not. I understand the critique, but in a way it's good. Like it's like, should the, should the infographic have blood and gore all over it? Like yeah. how many more, how many fewer I mean, people are actually going to watch stance? it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, or I mean, PETA is interesting because it makes, it makes you look, but it's, it's a little bit easier to look at, a dolphins being dismembered as horrible as that is. I'm so sorry. Peter. I like, I fuck with y'all like, get it. Vegans apologize. But to see that happening to a human, like it, it's this dehumanization that I think is actually like, people are like, we don't need to watch this person getting murdered. Like, I don't want to watch that video. It's true. Yeah. And that's, that's traumatizing. Yeah. And I think though, where it gets really like black mirror is what you then see is like this, like millennialized, beautiful infographic telling you, how little black women get paid and then you see that aesthetic which is borrowed from these companies then again used by these companies because then there are companies like nike or the nba releasing their like Mm. black lives matter collection in the visual language of the movement and then like kind of selling it back to you and being like, well, what are you guys doing about it? You know, like, I mean, no shade to the NBA. I mean, like probably like, you know, huge for and by um, communities of color, but like, like well, with white owners. Yeah. I was like, I owners, buy, but owners, yeah. yeah. I was thinking of the players, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad they're making like a ton of money, but they're also doing a lot of work. So anyway, delete, 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 but <laughs> Yeah, like it's being repackaged and then sold back to you for a profit with these companies, which like in a lot of these social activism, which is like kind of anti-capitalist or anti-corporations, it's this ironic cyclical economy. Yeah, it's, yeah, they sell your words back to you for $70. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you send that shit to me for free? Yeah. At Tamer and Isbeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, cash up. Yes. Add Sasha Arianto, Venmo me. I don't know if I deserve it, but yeah. Um, and so I think we've talked through a lot of the issues. I think this is like one of the issues I want to like think about too. And this was a criticism actually of the like Arab Spring movement. Um, this writer is called Zainab Tufeki, who wrote Twitter and Tear Gas. Um, it said, like, whereas older, mo- this is like a pro and a con, whereas older movements had to build organizing capacity first, modern networked movements can scale up quickly and take care of all sorts of logistical tasks without building any substantial organizational capacity for before the per- first protests are marched. You don't need an office. You don't need flyers, etc. The speed afforded by such protests is, however, much is, is, is as much its peril as mm-hmm. its promise. After a swift expansion, spontaneous movements are often prone to what Tufeki calls tactical freezes because they're often leaderless and lack both culture and infrastructure for making collective decisions. Yes. They're left with little room to adjust strategies or negotiate demands. At a more fundamental level, social media's corporate infrastructure makes such movements vulnerable to co-optation and censorship. Which I think is interesting because then I'm kind of like, at the end of the day, what you're good for is awareness like that's your which we mentioned at the beginning is like you're making people aware of the issue right sometimes you're making people move you're telling them like here's when when and where we should meet up here's a a template to call your senator i've never fucking called a senator before last year but a lot of it is like what are the decisions we made what are our true aims what are our demands what are our non-negotiables you don't have that because it's a movement owned by the masses vis-a-vis an algorithm yeah which i think some people would say is better but i think in terms of just like general organization um and the ability to like you said negotiate i sort of think back to our conversation 
about unions that we had like offline, but unions are really powerful because there is like a very clear organizing body and people like pay. So there's dues and like the people who are in charge are paid and you're you're bought in and then the people are like technically working for you and there's also just like a voting system like people have agreed versus a sort of like I don't want to say ragtag group but like an amazing awesome group of people that can mobilize quickly but that like can't agree and and you have to have some sort of like way to agree like people are never always going to agree to the same thing which is why they're are democracies where people vote and dictatorships where one person is in charge. Like that's the only way to, that's the way to make decisions. <laughs> like yeah. you compromise and some people get what they want and some people get less what they want or like one yeah, person. Gets they are they not functioning collectivist. Yeah. Cause not everyone governments. wants the same thing. They're yeah. like, that's cause people are you different. Structure. Yeah. Yeah. I love structure. <laughs> okay Taurus ADHD I love a structure yeah <laughs> like give me some flexibility I need security <laughs> I need a reliable routine so I just want to end this then with like Tamer what like if you can make your request of the people of of tech companies of whom whomstever like what would be your request for the future of social media activism my request is that everyone signals their virtues. I think it's incredibly important. And also that you back up that signaling with protest, with dollars, with using your voice where you can. Like everyone is going to do something different that feels right for them. And like, I don't have a, this is the right way to show up and this is the wrong way to show up, but you need to show up outside of just words on your Instagram stories. I'm here for it. I totally agree. And just the one thing I would add to that is I would love for tech companies to be more transparent about their policies, about their practices Mm -hmm. in general, but their policies for taking down content. Yeah, the shadow banning stuff. Yeah, shadow banning for uh, surfing new content, surfacing new content, et cetera. Maybe a little heat map of like, you know, if I follow Mm -hmm. a thousand people, like am I seeing content from all those thousand people? Am I seeing content from like 20 of them? Mm -hmm. So give me more info about how you're giving me info. Okay. Meta. Yes. So with that, since it's been super long, like we're not going to do a full on extra butter, but we're going to ask you, like, what do you think about social media activism? Did you partake? What kind of work did you do online and offline? And what do you think about it? Yeah. Also, were you nervous? Like what were the, if you didn't post or like didn't want to post, what were the things that stopped you from doing that? Like no judgment. We've been in situations where we feel nervous to post or our friends feel nervous to post. Like everyone has, everyone has both. And it's fine. Did you get called out? Did you call out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also did you check your sources? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Says the scholar. Okay. Uh, Okay. So with that, thank you. This is an episode five of Nova actually. See you next week. This was awesome. Bye. Bye.